Well, good morning. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, it's great to be together. There's a lot of ways that uh, we might uh, be able to uh, make do when we can't gather together, but uh, it sure is good to be together, isn't it? Uh, I'm uh, thankful that you made it out today. I want to start with Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 16. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. I also thought, as for men, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. Are you encouraged yet? Stay tuned. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the spirit of man rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work, because that is his lot. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. By the way, this wasn't written last week uh, in America. This was uh, written over 2,500 years ago uh, in, a, in a halfway around the world. Uh, it seems uh, pretty close to home and pretty up-to-date, doesn't it? Verse 2. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. And I saw that all labor and all achievements spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So why would I start this message off on such a dark note? Two things I want you to take out of this first passage that we're reading in Ecclesiastes. Number one, dust. Number two, wind. Keep those two things in mind as we go, uh, as we journey together this morning. Uh, dust, chapter 3, verse 20, says, all come from dust, and to dust all return. And then in uh, chapter 4, verse 4, we run into wind, where it says, this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Dust and wind. Dust we're all made of. We came from dust. We're headed back to dust. That may not be great news. And then there's this wind. Ecclesiastes, the writer, says uh, it's the wind of this world blowing us from one place to another. And uh, we are kind of at its mercy. And when we're trying to work and achieve, we're chasing after it. So this uh, passage has, has uh, inspired writers and poets and uh, musicians uh, throughout the generations. In fact, this was written over 2,500 years ago, as far as I can tell, around that. Uh, and uh, all the way up until this current era, uh, at least in my lifetime, it has continued to, uh, to inspire uh, artists. Uh, in fact, there was a band called uh, Kansas uh, when I was growing up, and they started probably before I came along. Uh, but one of my favorite groups, uh, one of my favorite songs by them is, is the song, and some of you are going to know this, Dust in the Wind. Anybody familiar with that song? Uh, quite a few of you. Um, it was written, uh, that song was written in an era when it took more than six words and six notes to, to write it down and call it a song. Uh, back when uh, songs were uh, made by, of these things we call lyrics. Uh, that, uh, that sometimes actually talked about things 
that mattered uh, in life. And, uh, and, and there was uh, more to songs than boyfriends and breakups and booties. Uh, it, it was, it was uh, a great time to be alive. And uh, this was one of the best songs, I think, that came out of that era. And uh, this is, this is uh, Dust in the Wind by Kansas. Let me just read you a few of the lyrics. Not a Christian song, uh, but a song that uh, even in the secular rock and roll market of the 70s picked up on these biblical themes. Uh, listen to what it says. I close my eyes only for a moment and the moment's gone. All my dreams pass before my eyes, a curiosity. Same old song, just a drop of water in an endless sea. All we do crumbles to the ground, though we refuse to see. Now don't hang on, nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. It slips away and all your money won't another minute by. Dust in the wind, all we are is dust in the wind. Say it with me. All we are is dust in the wind, dust in the wind. So two things I want you to note in this song, guess what they are? Dust and wind. So where's all this talk of us being dust come from and us returning to dust? Uh, where does all this come from? It goes all the way back to the beginning in the creation story in Genesis. If you take a look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being." The source of, uh, of man's existence, of course, as we, as we believe as Christians, is God who formed us out of the dust of the ground and, and then breathed his uh, spirit, breathed his life into us. That's how we became a living being. This, uh, so two things I want you to notice out of this Genesis, these Genesis verses. One is dust. Guess what the second one is? Wind. In, in fact, uh, wind never shows up in these verses. But the same biblical word does show up. The biblical word in the, the Greek Old Testament that is used for wind that we saw in Ecclesiastes, that's pneuma. Uh, and that is the same word that is used for breath in Genesis chapter 2. That's a wind and breath. Same word, pneuma. So keep that in mind, dust and wind. So this becomes a theme throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word shows up again throughout Scripture. And in the New Testament, pneuma, the word for wind and breath, takes on central significance. Pneuma comes up more and more in the New Testament. There's a very good reason why. In Acts chapter 2, exactly 50 days after Jesus died on the cross, the Jews were gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. There were about 120 of Jesus' followers left. And they gathered as Jesus commanded them in the upper room there to wait for God to give them what God had promised. In, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. 
This was exactly what God had promised through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. So Peter explained to the crowds what was going on here. Uh, he stood up in, in front of the assembly and said, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, did you notice in this story that when God poured out his Holy Spirit on his people, the Holy Spirit came through what? A mighty rushing wind. And that mighty rushing wind was the Holy Spirit. This gets even better because the word for spirit is the same word that is used for wind. So basically it's saying here, and then a mighty rushing pneuma or wind uh, filled that place. And that wind was the holy pneuma or wind or breath or spirit. Same word. Every time you see spirit in scripture, uh, in, the, in the New Testament, every time you see the Holy Spirit referred to or the spirit of God, it's always that same word, pneuma. And that, uh, that is uh, the same word that, of course, is used throughout for wind, for breath. And uh, that's, that's significant. Now, when Ecclesiastes speaks of dust and wind, it speaks of you doomed to die and until then, tossed about by the random winds or pneuma of chaos in this world. And when Genesis and Acts speak of dust and wind, it speaks also of you doomed to die, to return to dust, but with the option of putting the dust of your life into the hands of God who will breathe into you his very spirit or breath or pneuma, filling you with his presence and purposes. So dust is dust is dust is dust until it receives the very breath, the spirit, the wind of God. So it's your choice. You're mere dust, mortal, doomed to die someday and return to the dust from which you came. Your life can be blown about by the winds of this world or you can surrender the dust, the stuff of your life to the Lord, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God that gives life, who will give you every good thing that comes from being swept along by his presence and purposes. So the good news, and this good news is not just for this life, it's also for life eternal. In fact, it's the hope of life eternal that gives this temporary earthly life real meaning and joy. As long as we think that we come from dust, we go back to dust, which is true, by the way, and there's nothing in between but to be blown about by the winds of chaos in this world and to strive after the wind, trying to do work and achieve something. If that's all we see in this world, what we're going to be set up to do is to try to figure out how to find some way to acquire the stuff of this world and control the stuff of this world so that at least in whatever time we have, we can make a good run of it. That's how people end up using each other instead of serving each other. That's how people end up uh, be becoming obsessed and consumed by stuff instead of by souls. 
but having the hope of something beyond the dust, having the hope that God can breathe into the dust, the stuff of our lives, and, and we can come to life in him and, and have a hope that is not bound by the temporary nature of the dust, but that is enlivened by the hope of the spirit, which is eternal. When we have hope that goes beyond the dust, it gives meaning to the dust. When we have hope that goes beyond this life, it gives meaning to this life. It doesn't make us less effective in this life. It doesn't make us less concerned with this life. It makes us more, uh, more aware of what the purpose of this life really is and more determined to make the most of every breath we have while living in, these, in this dust. So the good news is not just for this life, but for life eternal. I wonder if we could, uh, if we could be more focused on the breath of God, on, on God being the life force of all of us, if we could get less caught up and be less at the mercy of whatever this world is running after. You see, it's not a good look for Christians who have been saved by God, who have been, have been breathed upon, have been filled with his very spirit, who, who have been given the hope of what only his eternal spirit can provide in eternity. It's not a good look for those Christians to be just as caught up in all the temporary affairs and political dealings and fighting of this world. It's not a good look for people who God has promised eternity to, to get in the same fights over the stuff of this world that everybody else is getting involved in that don't have the hope of eternity. I mean, why would people with the hope of eternity fight with other people over getting our fair share of this world's stuff? That doesn't even make any sense, does it? God, we have treasures, treasures stored up in heaven. Our, our goal is transformed from trying to get everything we can out of this world's stuff to trying, find, to, from try, to trying to find every way we can use this world's stuff to benefit souls, to benefit the spirit of others, to help them make it. See, here's what happens when we get dust and wind mixed up, when we get uh, the stuff of this life uh, and it takes priority over the next life, over the spiritual things, over what is to come, we begin to fight the same battles that the world fights and try to use the same weapons that the world uses and we end up not a whole lot different and definitely definitely know better than the world. So we've got to get this straight that we don't fight as the world fights. We don't fight for what the world fights for. We don't have to pit, decide which side to be on in the affairs of this world. Isn't that a relief? Because we've already picked a side and we just need to make sure we're on his side and we stay on his side and we fight the battles that he has put in front of us to fight. You see, what happens is um, when, when I start to try to use the stuff, if the stuff of this life is all there is, then I'm going to try to use the stuff of this life to make my spirit happy and feel blessed and have hope. And I'm going to have to acquire the stuff of this life and control the stuff of this life. And, and uh, probably since I, it won't satisfy, I'll need more of it. And, and, and sometimes it doesn't look like just acquiring possessions. It looks like uh, maybe controlling others, maybe getting other people to do what I want them to do. Maybe, maybe having myself surrounded by just, just uh, the kind of thing that I can feel like I'm in charge of. And when we don't have a hope for anything beyond the dust of this earth, the dust of this earth, the stuff of this world becomes very, very important to us. 
and we try to satisfy our spirit, which is eternal, with stuff which isn't. And we end up chronically dissatisfied and fighting with others to get maybe a little more of the stuff of this earth because that's probably what will end up finally making my spirit a little happier. But see, as Christians, we understand the stuff of this world isn't where we find joy and peace and anything that our spirit needs. We find that in Christ. We find that as God breathes his spirit into our lives. That's where our joy comes from. That's where our hope comes from. That's where all good things come from. And so we don't have to fight with everybody else over everything else in this life. We actually can enter into the affairs of this world and be a source of the things of the next world. We can actually enter into the affairs of this world and be a source of the joy and peace, everything that, that every human being's spirit longs for. We found the source and we can enter into relationships. We can enter into work. We can enter into the, the things of this world and be a source of every good thing God created humankind for, none of which can be found in the stuff and the dust of this world. And so we have a very important work to do in this world, but it's not to try to, try to get the stuff of this world for ourselves. It's to try to, to be a source of the heavenly stuff into people's lives in this world. You see, this world uses the stuff of the body to try to satisfy the spirit. But we use the stuff of the spirit to try to serve the bodies and the spirits of humankind, of, of, of people. 1 Corinthians 15 says it better than I can. Verse 35. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life until it dies. What you, when you sow, you don't plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and stars differ from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, dust. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, dust. It is raised a spiritual body, wind, pneuma. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. Remember, every time you see that word spirit, you know what that word is, right? Spiritual is pneumatikos. It's a form of that word pneuma. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. The first man was of the dust of the earth, that's Adam. The second man, who is that? That's Christ, from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. So those who are descendants of Adam and nothing more ought to act more like Adam. But those of us who are descendants of Christ, who have accepted him into our lives, who find that we are joint heirs with him, who have our hope in him for eternity, we ought to act more like him than we do like Adam. We ought to act more like the one we serve and the one we, we find our hope in than we do by, like the one who all of us have descended from in, that, in, our, in the physical sense, and that is Adam. And, and which means we don't act like everybody else. 
We don't get caught up in the same fights as everybody else. We don't use the same uh, weapons as everybody else. We're about something different than everybody else. In fact, if we get it right, there might be a lot of other people who are interested in the same thing that we have found hope and peace in. Verse 49 says, And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know why I don't have to fight battles over this world's stuff? Because I already have the victory, the ultimate victory in what God has stored away for me in heaven through his son, Jesus. And the life he gives me to live in this world is not to get engaged in the push and pull of all of this world's stuff, but to be an offering, to be his presence, to, to take on the likeness of the one from heaven and maybe others would find some hope for their spirit as I live in relationship with them, as we live in relationship with them. Last verses in chapter 15. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. It's as if he's hearkening back to this, uh, verses, these verses in Ecclesiastes that we read. Remember, they ended with the writer saying, uh, and uh, so for all of our work and all of our achievement, we might as well find whatever good we, whatever joy we can in it because uh, none of it is going to last. It's all going to become dust and it's basically all just a vein chasing after the wind. That was where we left in Ecclesiastes. But he brings up work here at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And what's he say about the work? He says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Finally, we found something that's not vanity. We found something that's not from dust and just going back to dust. We found something that, that uh, is going to have a life beyond this life. A way, in fact, that we can use the temporary stuff of this life to make a difference in the eternal stuff of heaven. Know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I can build a lot of buildings. I could raise a lot of money. I don't know if I could or not, but I could try. Uh, I, I, we could accomplish a lot of things in this world, all of which will go, come back to dust. The building we're sitting in right now. That every time we make a difference in the soul of a person that God has in mind to live for eternity, to experience eternity with his son the same way he created us to live in eternity with his son. We have labored for something that will not come to dust, that will be of value forever. And I submit to you today that there are two things I want you to keep in mind after this message. Guess what they are? Dust and wind. 
this wind or pneuma. I hope every time you read uh, about the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit in the Bible that you will remember pneuma, wind, breath of God. On your worst days, the pneuma, the Spirit of God, is really all you lack. And on your best days, apart from the Spirit of God, it'll amount to nothing, nothing but dust in the end. And it is critical, so then it is critical that we continue to be enlivened by, breathed upon by the very Spirit, the breath of God. It's true, all we are is dust in the wind. Kansas wasn't wrong. That's only true unless God gets a hold of us. And then we, our life becomes so much more. See, we can do nothing and settle for the reality of the Ecclesiastes passage we started with this morning, to have the sum total of my life be dust chasing after the wind. Or I can surrender the dust, the stuff of my life to Jesus, have my life reordered and enlivened by the gift of his Holy Spirit, Numa, along with all the blessings that come from being carried away by his presence and his purposes in this life and for all eternity. I don't know what your opinion is of our present uh, age. If you think uh, things are worse than they've ever been, or if maybe you're one that thinks, hey, you know what, in a lot of ways they're better than they've ever been. Uh, maybe you're somewhere in between. I don't know what you think uh, will become of our country in the next uh, 10 years or 50 years or 100 years. Uh, let me tell you this. The United States of America is not the center of, um, of history, or and God's kingdom doesn't rise and fall with the USA. I sing the song, God Bless America, and I pray that God would bless America. And uh, I know that, uh, but I also know that God doesn't need America. America, though, desperately needs God. And I hope that we as Christians can be a presence in our country a people who don't get caught up in every fight and argument and battle that, uh, that the world calls us to. That we don't think we always have to decide which side to be on. We don't have to pick which side to be on. We, we've already chosen to be on God's side. And we don't have to settle to, for allies who are going to accomplish some things that we know are important uh, if it means aligning ourselves with things that we know are evil. We don't have to pick and choose between sides in this world. It's all coming to dust. Our job as Christians is to be in relationships with people, to be involved in that which we can, can consider good, to try to be a source of his spirit, a source of heaven into the lives, into the bodies and the spirits of, of humans in the meantime so that we can use the stuff of this life, the endeavors of this life, the dust of this life, in order to get at what really matters and what will really last, which is the spirits of the people that we're in relationship with, that we work alongside of. We don't have to win one single battle in this world. We don't have to come out on the side of, uh, of political victory or military victory. But we do have to make sure we have our relationship with God right, that we're not just dust blowing in the wind like everybody else, but we are dust in the hands of God who breathes into us his very spirit, his character, his hope, his life, 
and that we are animated by something bigger than ourselves and bigger than this life. And then we might have a shot at accomplishing in this world what God put us here to accomplish. That goes way, way, way beyond this world. You know, when my kids uh, were growing up, we had three kids, three and under at one point. Isn't that wonderful family planning? Um, and as they grew up, they were great friends, but they were also, uh, there was lots of opportunity for conflict here and there. And do you know that from a parental point of view, I, don't, I can't remember one thing they fought about that uh, really mattered, a hill of beans to anybody outside of their little spat they were having in that moment. You ever wonder if God looks down at us and sees all the things that, uh, that we get in spats about? And, and ha- well, I wonder if he, as our parent, has that same feeling. I wonder how often he just shakes his head. And then when his people, who've been enlivened by his spirit, end up having our lives consumed by the same temporary uh, conflicts and battles that the whole rest of the world is, is all about, I can't imagine that he doesn't kind of shake his head and think, I've given you so much. And you're running off fighting with all these other people about all this other stuff that's all going to come to dust anyway. How about, how about we quit trying to pick sides in this world about who's less wrong and we get on the side of the one who's all right, who we know we can count on, who's going to be right forever and eternity, and we get about the business of making sure we're right with him because that will bring us victory. That will bring us hope, and that will allow us to accomplish in this world what God put us here to accomplish. I got news for you. No country lasts forever. America probably won. The downfall of America, if and when it should come, is not necessarily the end of history. It's not necessarily the end of God's purposes in this world. You know, God said uh, famously once he could raise up children for himself out of stones, out of rock. What makes us think if we choose not to follow him, he won't just raise up somebody else who will. In fact, we pray for that very thing, don't we? So let's just uh, know that I don't know what our country is going to look like in five years or 50 years or 100 years. But I know what I want my soul to look like. I, want, I know what I, who I, God has called me to be in the midst of all of it. And I hope that whatever else my kids end up becoming and their kids and their kids after them, that whatever it is that they are in life, whatever nationality, whatever culture, whatever, 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 I, I, what matters to me and the only thing that matters to me that they would recognize that they are dust in God's hands and that the only way they have any hope or life or anything that's good for their spirit beyond this world is to have the very breath, the spirit of God breathe into them, that they would live their whole life knowing they were created in his image, they were created for his purposes, and it's only possible by being enlivened by his spirit, by his pneuma, by his breath. Help me, Lord, not to get caught up in all the things this world fights about, all of which is going to become dust. But help me, Lord, to be enlivened and ordered by your Holy Spirit and to be a force for eternity in these days. So that one of these days when we find ourselves in eternity, we can look back and say, you know what? That life didn't last long, but we made the most of it. That's where I want to be. Can I pray for you? Our Father in heaven, we thank you your patience with us. 
I thank you, Lord, that although I am the one assigned to preach today, what I'm saying, I'm not even so much preaching it to these folks as I am speaking on their behalf. Lord, the truths that I've spoken from your word today are truths that we've all staked our lives on. Help us, Lord, as we're reminded of who, you, of who our creator is, of what you have uh, hoped for in our lives, that we would uh, just kind of take stock and be determined that we're not going to get lured or misled into spending the stuff of this life on stuff that is going to die right along with the rest of the stuff of this life. But help us, Lord, to be about eternal things, to be about heaven, to be about souls, to be about uh, making a difference in the bodies and the spirits of, of uh, men and women and children. Lord, I pray that uh, you would give me the ability to stay so close to you that I might be moved along as if by your very breath, by the wind of your spirit throughout my days, that I might know that where I am, it's because you put me there, and who I am, it's because you made me to be that. And what I'm up to is, 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 is going to have significance beyond this life. And then, Lord, I'll know I have the victory, and I'll know this is not in vain. Lord, we pray it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.